good morning, everyone. Uh, so like Mo and Kayla said, Pastor Mike is out this week. He is with Randy and uh, John Fry, who's normally on drums back here, um, out, in Hutchin prison, uh, <laughs> out in the prison right now with Kairos, which has become a, a really important ministry for our church. This is an interesting thing about Lakeway, especially if you're a visitor, uh, if you're not too familiar with our church and the way we work, our members tend to be very involved out in the community. And there's a lot of programs like Kairos that are not official Lakeway ministries, but the church and our members are very deeply involved with them. And that's something that it was on Randy's heart uh, that has really expanded out to the church. And I can't overstate how important ministries like Kairos are, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, when he's giving an example of, of the people who were, who were doing right by him, one of the examples he says is, I was in prison and you came to visit me. And that's really where the Kairos ministry comes from. Not only do the people who go through Kairos tend to have a much lower recidivism rate, that means they're much less likely to go back into prison once they've gone through this, they become some of the most powerful ministry leads out there, some of the most powerful witnesses. So this is a, a tremendous sort of thing. Uh, if you ever want to know more about Kairos, if you want to be involved in something like that, speak to Randy when he comes back. Uh, and of course, our church tends to be involved with this when we always do, uh, contribute to the prayer train, we'll buy them meals, uh, we'll write letters to the people in Kairos. Uh, it's a huge deal. So again, if you would like to know more about that ministry, when Randy comes back next week, speak with him, and he'd be happy to get you involved. But it's great to be in front of you again, uh, back up here. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking about this message for, uh, for a while. Mike asked me to do it a few weeks ago. And I kept getting the same idea back over and over. Uh, I thought we would handle a really light topic today, uh, which is confessing. <laughs> Real easy to do, yeah. So when we talk about confession, especially if we're in a, a Protestant and Baptist church, it's not something that always comes. We, we talk about repentance a lot. We don't talk about confession quite as much. And when you hear confession, there's a couple things that may come to mind. If you're like me and you grew up with Monty Python, you immediately think of the Spanish Inquisition. And if not, you're probably thinking of going to a small little box in a Catholic church when you have a, a priest in the box next to you and you say, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. And you go through your laundry list of sins from that last week. Uh, and the priest forgives you. Now, we don't believe that any person, that any man has the right to forgive you or is even able to forgive you. The only intercessor we have is Jesus Christ. However, confession is still a biblical concept. And it's not one that has all of these really heavy negative things that we sometimes associate with it. Uh, in fact, it can be a very positive thing and uh, I wanted to start out by making sure we kind of separated repentance from confession, because we sometimes lump them in together, and there's, there's a reason why. We'll cover that as well. Um, but I'd like to talk about the difference between repenting and confessing. So repenting comes from the Greek word metanoia, and basically what that means is a fundamental change of mind. Mike had a sermon about this a couple of years ago. I do not remember the name of it off the top of my head, though I know that we do have it online. Uh, if you're curious about that, I'll try to look it up afterwards. I can point you to it. We should have a, at least an audio recording of it, if not a video recording. But he talks about this idea 
And repentance being changing the way that you think. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, it, we mean changing the way we think about our behaviors, our sins, from God's point of view, right? There are many, many things that we do that we can probably justify in our own minds. To us and to the world, there's nothing necessarily wrong with it. But from God's point of view, it's a sin. It's not good. So repenting, in the most traditional sense of the word, means to change the way you think about it. If we look at Acts 3.19, it says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Okay? If we reword that, change your mind about these things that you're doing and turn to God. Look at the way he does things, and that way we can wipe the sins away. Repenting isn't necessarily about stopping a behavior. It's not about controlling yourself. It's not about um, not doing something. It's about changing your mind, your approach to something. Because once you change your mind, then the behaviors are going to fall. It's kind of like if you think about horseback riding, right? Whichever direction you point that horse's head, that's the direction the horse is going to go, right? Uh, same thing, whenever you change your mind, your body's going to follow. Confessing is something a little different. Confessing is to own or acknowledge something. And there's a, a, a couple of ways confess, uh, the word confess is used. And again, we like to sometimes go back and guilt ourselves into this, like, confess your sins. And like, that's the only way we want to think about it. It's almost like a, a police procedural, right? What are they always doing whenever they, they, kid, they get the, the killer or whatever other person it is? They get them in the interrogation room and they want a confession. They want that person to acknowledge the crime that they committed. And yes, that is one way that we do it. We talk about confessing sins. But confessing is also a very positive thing. We talk about confessing that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, confessing our belief in him. We are owning that or acknowledging that. We are owning the fact that we are sinners, but we're also owning the fact that Jesus is our Lord. And that's what we mean by confession. It's something that you're acknowledging out loud in front of other people. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start us out. Before we go too much further about confession, I'm going to tell you a fun story. Um, hope you guys like things like bug bites and infections. That's coming next. Just warning. Um, and it may seem like this is a little out there. What the heck does this have to do with the topic? I promise it'll all come around. Um, but the company I work with uh, deals a lot in trade shows, exhibitions, whatnot. Uh, not to get too deep into it, but we basically sell services to companies that exhibit at these kinds of events. And the only event that we really go to is a trade show about trade shows. And it's just as interesting as it sounds. The only other one we go to is a trade show about people who run trade shows about their trade shows. There's another one that goes a level deeper, but we don't go to that one. So we go to this, and this is our big event for the year. It's a big deal for our company. We get a lot of revenue out of it. We find a lot of clients there. Uh, so it's easy to understand why one of my coworkers was very determined to be there no matter what. And the week prior, she'd gone camping with her family, and she'd gotten this lovely spider bite on her leg. And you, know, you don't think too much about it, right? But then she went swimming in the lake. And this was Lake Bonham. I don't know if you guys have ever been up to Lake Bonham. It's, it's, it's not a huge lake, right? It's not big like Lake Louisville. But what I'm getting back to is the lakes in Texas in summer 
aren't exactly pure water, okay? And she goes swimming in this lake, and that bug bite became infected. And so this is going on. This is like the day before this event starts. She decides she's still going to fly out anyway, because this is just too important. She has to, she has to go there. And uh, <laughs> she arrives, and like the second day, she's you know, kind of limping a little bit. I ask her, okay, is everything okay? And she tells me about this bug bite and this infection. I'm like, okay, you should probably go to a doctor, like, right now. Infections aren't, they should, you know, I'm just taking some pain medicine. You know, if it gets worse, you know, maybe, maybe I'll go. And I'm like, okay, just go, but whatever. The next day, you know, she's talking about how, how it's gotten kind of bigger and all that. And I'm like, okay, you really, really need to go to a doctor. And she's like, well, if I have to, I will. I'm like, no, no, you, ha you have to, right? But she still doesn't. Um, it's the point. She showed her roommate this bite, and her roommate was telling me, it's like, it's like, it's like this big and green now. I'm like, why are you still here? Go to an ER right now. I'm like, and I'm trying to tell her, like, think of, like, your kids. Like, if your kids had an infection like this, would you be, like, holding them back and waiting, or would you be going? And she's still kind of being stubborn. And she finally decided to go when the, the pain was just too constant and she couldn't ignore it anymore. And uh, we'll get to part two of that story in just a moment. I know you're on the edge of your seat now, but I'll, I'll let you know where that comes from. This gets me back to confession. There are really three main types of confession. The first two I just want to go through a little quickly just to get these out of the way. Um, the first one is to acknowledge something to ourselves, right? This is where we are admitting to ourselves, we're, we're owning, we're acknowledging the fact that there's something wrong. And this kind of goes hand in hand with repentance. I think this is why they get crossed sometimes and we use them interchangeably. So with the repentance, we're able to change our mind, we're able to see that there's something wrong. With confession, we finally acknowledge it. So if you want to think of the difference here, think of my coworker. She knew something was wrong. She saw it. She saw she had an, an infection, but she wasn't acknowledging that she had to do something about it, right? That moment of confession was that moment when she finally said, hmm, maybe I need to do something about this. Um, and and this, is, this is a great illustration. If we look at 1 John 1, 8 and 9, this is from the NIV. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So it's not enough for us to just say, yeah, I've got some sinful behaviors. Because what we can do in that case is accept the fact that those are there, but then we don't acknowledge we have to do something about it. There's no action behind it. The confession is that first step into taking action. That's when we, we own it and we say, yeah, I'm going to take some action here. So back to my coworker. She finally gets to this point where there's just too much pain and she agrees that she has to do something about it. So she finally gets one of my other coworkers to drive her out to the ER. Now, she gets to the ER and uh, her doctor is, well, I guess not her doctor, but the doctor at the ER is horrified by what they see, okay? The infection's pretty bad at this point on her upper leg, and they're immediately getting her on all kinds of antibiotics, you know, full-spectrum stuff as much as they possibly can. Let me 
let me give you an idea of how bad this infection had got before she did something about it. The doctor looked her straight in the eyes and, say, and says, watch this. If it doesn't shrink in the next hour or two, call 911 and go to the hospital. If you had waited any longer, it would have spread to your knee and we'd be amputating your leg right now. That's how bad it was. And so where does this relate back to confession? You know, this goes to the second type here, which is making a confession to God. Okay, in this example, we'll go ahead and say that the doctor is my stand-in for, for God here. In this case, you know, if, if we go to God with our confession, if we say, you know, God, I'm acknowledging the fact that this is a problem in my life, this is something that I need to change, God's going to give us the directions we need to take. He's going to tell us the steps we need to go. So what happened with my coworker and the doctor? The doctor said, well, you need this medication, and you need to change these behaviors. First off, you need to stop ignoring this. You need to watch this very closely. You need to make sure that it's going away. And if it doesn't go away, you need to get more help. Because if that doesn't happen, you're going to lose your leg. In the case of God, with us, he's going to be giving us similar instructions. So I was talking before, repenting and confessing to ourselves, it's a change of mind, it's an acknowledgement. This part with God is where the action comes in. We're not taking those steps to change the behavior ourselves. God is giving us those steps. He's telling us what we need to be doing and what we need to be looking for. And one of the best examples is uh, the, the most basic kind of confession that we can give, and that's just the confession that we need God, that we need Jesus in our lives, that we're sinners, and that we need an intercessor. This is from Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So again, if we make that confession, God is giving us the direction that we need to be saved. This is the most fundamental tenet of being a Christian, that we acknowledge Jesus is Lord. And that's that moment where God's able to make a difference in our life and God's able to save us. And this is where we tend to let things go, right? We, we like to say, all right, so I, I've acknowledged my own problems and I've gone to God about it. So like God's aware of this and he's forgiven me of it. He's kind of told me what I need to do. Everything's going really good, right? And then we sort of leave it there. Because we're like, okay, we ticked all the boxes, we're great, we're saved. As a mentor of mine likes to call it, we got the fire insurance, right? We know what's happening to us when we die. But there's one last type of confession, and that's the one that I really want to focus on for most of today. And that is confessing to others. And this is the part where we kind of go, mm, that doesn't sound very fun at all. And I will give my coworker all of the credit in the world because the next day she came back to me and she said, yeah, you were right. I had to go to the doctor. I was the bigger man and didn't say I told you so more than twice. <laughs> but this, there's several reasons why this is important to us. 
And I think the Bible puts it most succinctly. And this is actually what today's verse is. This is a verse that's on your bulletin. And what really made me think about today's message. And this is James 5.16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So this is interesting because now when we're talking about confession, we're not talking about the basic, you know, you're a sinner and you need forgiveness and you need Jesus and all that stuff. That's salvation. Okay, obviously that's important, right? That's our mission is to help spread that kind of salvation. But this isn't talking about being saved, is it? What does it specifically say that this does? It says so that you may be healed, right? Because at the end of the day, we're really broken people. I don't care who you go out to, who you meet on the street. There is something in there. There's something in their life going on. There's some part of them that's broken, that's hurting, that needs each other. And if we're not being open with each other about this stuff, if we want to put on a face and say everything is perfect, we're never going to get to that step where we're healed. We're always going to be stuck in that, that same area. And the other danger of not bringing other people into the equation, you may, you may have heard the phrase, who's heard this phrase, secret sin? Has anyone heard that phrase before? Yeah, Sandra, okay. And Paul, okay, there we go. When we say secret sin, what we're talking about are these things in your life that you try to keep hidden from everyone else. You and God are in on it. Like, you know, you know about it. Maybe we have, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a compulsive behavior that you know you need to change. So maybe you, you know, that you drink a little bit too much on the weekends. And you know that that's something that has to change. But hey, God's aware of it. He's working on me. Yeah, whatever. No need to bring everyone else into this. You know, maybe it has to do with faithfulness in a relationship. Yeah, I, I know this is wrong, and I'm, I know God's going to be making a change in my life, but, you know, I, I definitely don't need to tell them about it because that's going to be bringing other people in. I don't need that. When we keep things to ourselves, we keep ourselves stuck in that same spot. And that's why the Bible talks about being healed. If we want to get out of these behaviors, if we really want a life change. If we want to get to a place that we're not just getting by, we need other people with us in doing that walk with us. So why does this matter so much? Well, first off, confessing to each other keeps us humble. And it's really, really easy when you're feeling good and you're doing great to go out there and talk about, oh, I'm just so blessed in my life right now. God's doing so much for me. Everything's going so good. You just go on and on about how great everything is and all these wonderful things in your life, never acknowledging anything else is wrong, never going through that. Other people see that, and it makes a difference. For some people, that can be very demotivating. They look around and go, well, everyone else is doing so great. I must be terrible. <laughs> and that's because of this front that we put on sometimes. Uh, you know, Jesus talked about this some. He has a, a great parable about it that I really liked. Uh, this is in Luke 18:9 says, uh, to some who are confident of their own righteousness, uh, or, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, if you don't know this, back in Israel at that time, 
tax collectors were not popular people at all. Um, you know, in, in some cases, they might have even accused them of being against the people. They were working for the Romans who were occupying the area at the time. So these ca- tax collectors were usually seen as immoral people. So there's a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. So this guy's going out there, and he's talking about just how great he is, just how faithful he is, uh, to the point he's thankful he's not like these other people who are struggling. You know, how much do we do that, right? I mean... I'll be honest, most of us probably aren't going to go out into the foyer after this and talk about, man, I am just (laughs) so much better than Dave, I can't tell you. (laughs) We're probably not going to go that far, but how many times, and just just think this, don't answer out loud, but be honest, you hear someone else give their testimony, or you hear someone talk about the struggles in your life, and internally you kind of think, at least I don't do that. I know I do that. I've always set that the at least I don't bar, which is a really dangerous bar. If we keep going, though, we look at the tax collector. This is in verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that it's this man, that's the tax collector, rather than the other who went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all, themselves who, and all who humble themselves shall be exalted. The tax collector, he's out there. He's putting it out there that he's a sinner, that there's something wrong. He's not doing this at home. He's not in hiding. He is at the temple. Okay, that's an important part here. But it says he stood at a distance because he's not trying to show off to other people. Because that, that's another thing we kind of do. Anyone, anyone heard that phrase humble brag before? Right, where you, you kind of brag about how humble you are, which when you think about it doesn't make a lot of sense. He's not doing that, but he is being very open and very honest. Anyone around him can see what's happening in his life. They can see he's saying, yeah, I admit it, God, I'm a sinner. There's something wrong with me. And that's that's the one that God says, remember, this is supposed to be an immoral person. This is supposed to be someone that you're not looking up to. The Pharisee is supposed to be the righteous one. But Jesus says, this is the guy who's my example, the one who's willing to confess these things and be open about them. The other reason it's so important to confess things to each other is that holding on to our sin isolates us. So many of you may have experience with this. I know I certainly have where there's, there's things in my life that I know I need to give up and I know that I need to get help with, but I'm afraid of going to someone else for help because I feel like if I reach out for that help and I'm honest about it, that things are going to change in some way or something's going to fall apart. Maybe, maybe they'll think differently of me or whatever. And this is really dangerous. Proverbs 28.3 says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Most of you know at this point that um, my wife Amy and I do a lot of work with Celebrate Recovery. And this is actually a very important point over at CR, is getting together with someone that you trust and confessing and going through these sins. And I've had the honor of being able to go through 
uh, and lead uh, several of their studies so far. Um, it's, it is a, it's a 12-step study, but it's, it's very different than something like AA. It's, it's more like a Bible study that happens to be based around the 12 steps. The whole point is getting closer with Jesus and getting closer in your relationship with God. And this is always the area. We, we call this, um, th- this is step five, which is confessing. Um, and this is where people start to have trouble. They're, in step four, they've gone through their inventories. They've basically evaluated their lives, and they've written down everything that's in their life that either they have resentments for, shame, guilt, um, positive things too. Some people have a really hard time acknowledging the positive things in their lives. That's part of their inventory also, and they, they have to share that too. You'd be amazed how hard it is for people to confess the positive things. I know so many guys where it's hard for them to say, hey, I'm a good dad. I've got two, I've got two kids who are fairly uh, honest. They can only see the negatives in themselves. And there are certain phrases I hear all the time when we get to this point that keep people from wanting to go through with this. Here's just a, the, the four most common ones from me personally. Uh, if they knew the real me, they would hate me. So there's this fear that the people you know will reject you from that point forward. Another, uh, another surprisingly common one is, no one here has done anything as bad as me. And that's, that's a tough one. And this goes back to that previous point about being humble. When the people around you aren't being honest about what's in their life, it's real easy for you to internalize, I must be worse than all these other people around me. And that's why programs like CR and heck, even like Kairos are so important because we can finally be around people being honest. Um, but when you're in that po- point of isolation, you feel like no one has done anything as bad. No one would ever look at me the same if they knew about this. And then another big one, I'd lose everything if anyone knew. And, and it's always a tragedy to hear this kind of stuff because these thoughts are what are keeping people from moving forward and making a difference in their life. They're afraid they're going to lose everything around them. And I've got to tell you, I've, I've done inventories with guys before. I've done my own inventory, which was really hard. Um, I've know so, known so many people, talked to so many people who have go- gone through this. I can tell you about 0% of the people who have gone through this process have been rejected by their sponsors or accountability partners. In fact, I consistently hear over and over and over, for anyone who's graduated from a step study, that it was the most freeing experience of their lives because they said this thing that they've been holding on to, that they've been terrified of letting out there, and they were still accepted. It was still okay. And I think most of us would like to believe that if if someone were to come up to us and be honest and and confess things to us, that we would be accepting of them and encouraging them. But we never expect that for ourselves. It's kind of an interesting thing. And this leads me to my last point. If we do keep on to that point where we keep hiding this stuff, Hiding sin prevents us from helping others. Even if they don't know that we have something going on in our lives, we do, God does. If we're in a point that we're not in line with God, how can God work through us? Right, that's that's something to think about there. Uh, And why it matters here is in Matthew 7, uh, this is starting in verse 3. You, You may have heard this one before, but really think about it. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye When you have a log in your own, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Hypocrite. First, 
get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you can see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. And, and you know, I, I've seen this play out before. You know, I, I, and I can't, the nature of CR, we can't give details or anything like that, obviously. But I've seen people who are struggling with something like alcohol and alcoholism, but they want to give advice to someone who's struggling with being faithful in their marriage or vice versa or any other thing you want to put in through, any other hurt, hang-up, or habit. If you're struggling with something internally, there's no way for you to be able to, uh, to, be able to translate that, to be able to translate God's word and God's intention through you. So we need to make sure we're working on this own stuff on our own. And when we get this out to people, when we get this out to our accountability partners, our sponsors, then we're able to, mo- to work on that. So talking about this log in your own eye, this was the hardest part for me. At CR, there's a common saying that step four is the hardest step. And I mentioned before, that's the inventory. People find that hard because they have to go through their life and it can unearth a lot of stuff. I wasn't worried about that one at all. To me, it was the next step which was admitting it to someone else. Because I knew as soon as I admitted it to someone else, I would have to do something about it. I couldn't just kind of keep it inside of me anymore. And this is where the confession comes back. If we want to get that log out of our own eye, we need to be able to walk up to someone and say, hey, I got this log. Any ideas? There's actually story, there's a story of, of a... I, I, didn't research this one before coming here. I'm just remembering this now. But um, I've heard before that firefighters have had situations where they're out, um, you know, dealing with a building collapse or something like that. And they'll see people trying to help out other people. And they've got, like, a steel beam going through their stomach, right? It's like you, you can't effectively help people when you've got that going on. So we know that we need to be confessing to other people. And we need to be sharing ourselves with others. So now the question is, what should we confess? Anyone want to take a stab at the answer there? There we go. Everything. Which is much easier to say than it's actually done. It's very nice and clean up on the board like this. But when we actually get down to it, it's a little tough to go through that full list. Um, But it is everything. There's nothing in our lives that God wants hidden. There's nothing in there that God once buried. Now, that does not mean, this is very important, that you need to just, like, go wandering around the halls after this, like, shouting at everyone you can, I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and I do this. There are, there's a place and a time for a confession, right? You don't have to be a totally open book for everyone. I mean, if you can get to that point, awesome. God will use that. He'll work through that. But that's not necessarily what we, what's expected. So we need to think about who we should be confessing to. Um, or if we want to be proper, to whom should we confess? As I put on here, uh, I guess I was feeling pretentious that week, but there we go. The first one is accountability partners. So I've talked about this before, but these are people who are on a walk, the, the, the same walk as you, basically. Think of like your small group members. Think of people who are in the same ministries as you. These are people that you know them and you trust them, and like the name implies, you can hold each other accountable. Uh, what we would recommend is if there's something that you're working on, find someone else who's had some measure of improvement or is also working on the same things. You know, for example, um, I quit smoking uh, a few years ago. I had smoked for like nine years. And as I was quitting, I had people that I would just text sometimes like, I want a cigarette. Every time I had a craving, I would text them, I want a cigarette. 
And they would do the same thing back. And no one was giving each other advice. No one was telling each other what to do. All we were doing was confessing to each other, hey, I want a cigarette. You know the times I relapsed? That was the times I didn't text anyone. That was the time I was like, no, I can get through this on my own. And then like five minutes later, I'm at 7-Eleven, right? But when I texted someone, someone else knew. And that level of accountability kept me honest. Uh, who else should we be confessing to? Our mentors. And if you don't have a mentor, everyone should have a mentor of some kind. A mentor is someone who, uh, that you can look up to, who you know is actually walking the walk. Right? They're, they're going through things with Christ. They've had some measured improvement beyond where you're at right now. You know that they've taken... When we're in CR, for example, we'll say it's someone who has gone through a step study and has shown uh, improvement or sobriety in the main issue. It doesn't even have to be that deep, but it's someone that you know is, is speaking truth, right? Sp- biblical truth. And you know someone who you can trust. The mentor is someone that you should be free to share just about anything with. This is the person who you need to be comfortable enough to know, if I tell them about all my stuff, they're not going to reject me. And this is where I was saying, we don't expect you to, to confess everything to everyone. Maybe your accountability partners don't get everything, but you should have someone that you know you can go to in a time of need. And if you don't have that person, let me just encourage you right now to pray about that. If you, if you need a mentor, if you need to find one, yeah, I can tell you about all the social functions the church does, and that's important, but you need to pray about it, and God will put someone in your life. And then finally, this is the toughest part, I think. Who else should we confess to? The person that we wronged. If we have sinned against someone else, if, we, if we've done something against them, we need to confess that to them. Now, there, there are certain exceptions, like we say in CR, never do it, you know, uh, make amends unless it would cause harm to them or to someone else. So I'll just say this with a caveat. If there was you know, someone you had an inappropriate relationship at some point, and if you getting back into their lives and apologizing, apologizing to them would, you know, destroy their family and all that, don't do that. But anyone else, if you've wronged against them, you need to get, you need to get, make things right. Matthew 5, 23, 24 says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them then come and offer your gift. I mean, think about that. God's, like, back then doing their offering, that was their method of getting forgiveness, right? God's saying, before you even come talk to me about this, you need to make things right. You need to try to offer some kind of amends. Now, the other person may not be ready to hear it. They may, you know, they may not be ready for your apology. They may not be ready to accept that. That's fine, okay? But you need to make sure your side of the street is clean, on the other hand, we also have, as a, as a part of this confession, is, is offering forgiveness, which kind of seems a little weird. It's like, how is offering forgiveness a kind of confession? Well, again, we're, we're acknowledging, hey, you hurt me, but I'm going to let this go. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive you your sins. And when you think about that, especially that last line right there, if we're not willing to let things go, if we're at that point, we're not willing to go through the immense process. We're not following God's direction anymore. And this could be its own message. <laughs> I, I could probably spend an hour on amends and forgiveness. I guess consider this a teaser in case I'm up here again at some point. But with amends and forgiveness, uh, the, you know, forgiveness doesn't mean 
you know, um, acceptance. Because I think forgiveness is one thing that we have the hardest time with. It's like, well, if I forgive them for doing this really bad thing to me, then, I'm, then they're just getting off. They're, they're getting out. No, there's, there's still, you know, there's, there's no... It doesn't mean that you're accepting what their behaviors are. It doesn't mean you're letting someone off the hook. But it does mean I'm not holding, against you, holding this inside anymore. I'm going to let this go. This isn't a part of who I am anymore. Uh, and again, I could just keep going on and on and on about forgiveness and amends. And uh, we're just about time here. So the, the takeaway I want you to have from this message is that the whole point of this, the whole point of talking to other people and confessing your sins isn't about some kind of guilt trip. You know, it's not about getting inside a stuffy box and just going down a checklist of things you've done so you can be forgiven for it. It's about being better. It's about getting better. It's about being healed. And as we go out of here today, I just want you to think of a couple of things. What do you need to let go of? What's inside of you that you've been holding on? What, what are the grudges? What are the things that you're holding close to your heart? You know, who do you need to give amends to? Where, where's somewhere that you know that you have wronged someone and you need to make things right? And conversely, who's wronged you? Who do you need to forgive? What's some resentment that you need to let go of? And again, I don't mean this to be a heavy message coming out of here. This is, again, a very positive thing because I think you'll find if you are able to get into this point that you're, you're willing to talk about the stuff in your life and you're willing to talk about where you need to be better, you'll find things going so much easier for you. It's, it's a freeing thing. It, it's like carrying around a really heavy pack on your back and then just slowly taking things out of it until finally you don't feel weighed down anymore. You can keep going, literally casting your burdens off. So, you know, I, I just hope you think about this as you go out there. Again, if you don't have accountability partners, get in a small group, go to some church functions, find people you can trust. If you don't have a mentor, uh, pray about it. Of course, um, Pastor Mike is up here just about every weekday. If you need someone to talk to, I mean, I've, I've known him for being a son-in-law. I've known him for quite a while now. He's someone you can talk to, and he'll be objective, and he'll listen, and, you know, he'll tell you the truth. You know, he's not always just going to be, oh, you know, poor you. Sometimes he'll tell you that there's things you need to change, but make sure you, f- you talk to him. If not him, find, some- find someone else. Um, Again, I, we're always open at CR anytime someone wants to come up, for sure. So I'm going to leave you with that thought this week. Let me go ahead and, uh, and, and pray us out real quick. Father God, I want to thank you so much for the people who have come here today. There's a lot of places that they could have gone, and yet they've chosen to be here. And I fully believe, Lord, that you intended for people to be here. So I hope that your word got out to them. I hope that this message was able to touch some people's hearts and the biggest thing I want to pray, Lord, as we go out into the world, as we get outside of these doors and the protection of this church, it's easy to be overwhelmed by, by the world. So I, I pray that you open everyone up to this idea that they don't have to do this alone, that they are able to rely on other people, and that they can share what they're going through, and they don't have to have fear of doing it. In fact, help them understand how this can be such a healing process, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everyone. Power, power. Thank you, Chris. That was a great message everyone needs to hear. How many times do we hold things?